All right, guys, buckle up. She's a beauty princess and she's funny. A beauty princess? <laughs> yeah, a beauty queen. Dang it. Okay. All right, one more time. Hey everybody! Welcome to Pulling Thread. Hey. Hello. Woo-hoo. Hi, Cliff. Hi, Nate. I, I don't know what that was, but hey, good to see you anyway. New. Yeah, let's maybe put that one in the in the discard pile. Uh, oh, okay. Dial it down yeah. a little bit. I don't. I don't know. Let me hear it one more time. Woohoo! Yep, discard pile okay. for sure. Uh, hey, hey, Megan, hey, how are what's you? Up? So, hey, Megan, your episode's been out for a few days. Yep. Uh, what kind of feedback have you gotten? Um, I think okay. Like it's been nice hearing from friends, and um, I've just kind of been thinking about you know you can't sum up your whole life story in forty five minutes. So I feel like there's a lot of things that I wish I could expand upon, but I'm sure we'll do that throughout the other podcasts that we have. But like, like what? What's something? Uh, well, I was thinking about the music that we. I grew up listening to, and we were talking about Stephen Curtis Chapman. And so last week I was, I started listening to some of the old albums and I was like, let me listen to this and see what little Maggie was feeling. (laughs) And I was like, no wonder you were jacked up. I was listening to a song called got to be true. And it says, it's gotta be true. Gotta be living what I say. I believe it's gotta be true. Even when nobody but Jesus is watching me. It's got to be true every single minute of every day if anyone's ever going to look at me and say, it's got to be true. Mm. And I'm like, it's oh, a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pre- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I've got to, I've got to be true, guys. So, <laughs> yeah. That explains a lot. Apparently, I was internalizing a lot of Christian music also as a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, is that the one that he did with DC Talk? Yes. And then can you spell that Uh, title for me, that song title? Well, I think it's got number two, letter B, and then true. Maybe T-R-U even. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Hey, Nate, what is is, uh, some of your guilty pleasure Christian albums that you still listen to from back in the day? I'm only asking the question because I want to tell you guys mine. I don't think. I'm going to guess he doesn't listen to any. No, that's not true. He's got some some songs hidden on his playlist. Yeah. Yeah, Cliff's right. He's heard me say that before. No. I do do have some. It's it's like, okay. Well, since you only asked the question so you can answer it, you go first. (laughs) You know, from time to time, it's like, Alexa, play Avalon. Alexa, play Michelle Toombs. Alexa, play... Rachel Lampa. Oh, Alexa's talking right now. In the back. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to turn her on accidentally. Uh, 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 Shit's Creek also triggers her. <laughs> There's be times where I'm watching you know, her and I just hear her Cliff, talking. You don't. You don't even need to ask Alexa. You can just turn on KLTY. I'm pretty sure they're still playing those songs. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> they're playing the old stuff. I loved Michelle Toombs. I, I, you know, like I, I think I said, Cademan's Call, um, uh, Reliant K. But I didn't, that wasn't until like late after college. One of those things was not like the other (laughs) there. It was his rebellious phase. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, Alanis Morissette was my rebellious phase. Yes. I was all over the place. Yeah, we got to talk about secular music, too. Well, I listened to a lot of the uh, Christian Alanis Morissette, Rebecca St. James. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, it was funny watching, like, looking back at that time and seeing the parallels. Yeah. Like, if there was, there was someone who blew up in secular oh, music, yeah. then there's usually a Christian equivalent. Interesting. You still see that today. I, I, I won't, I, I'm going to... I'm going to offend some people like listening to Is there like a Billie the, Eilish uh, Christian singer? Oh, I'm sure there is, but I'm thinking of Adele uh-huh. and Lauren oh. Daigle. I've heard the name. Yeah. I'm going to find uh, the Billie Eilish this week. I'm going to let you guys know. That's your goal. <laughs> if I can stomach it. <laughs> okay, Nate. So I'm wondering. Uh, oh, you didn't get to answer the question. Sorry. You answer. Did you? What music do you still listen to? That's hidden oh. on his playlist. No, I, I don't mind. Uh, okay, so on a, on one specific playlist, I do have these songs kind of hidden in the middle. And most of them are honestly just covers of old hymns. Because mm-hmm. uh, those will always have some emotional resonance yeah. with me. But, you know, pandemic, quarantine, a lot of time on my hands. Mm-hmm. I, went down some, I went down some nostalgic rabbit holes and went, you know... Third day, delirious. Whoa, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jen- Jennifer Knapp, who, whose music <gasps> yeah. I still yes, like. Yes, Jennifer Knapp was one of my favorites. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's funny, even even back then, listening to her music, you know, just I mean her her the lyrics. Clearly, she was struggling with a thorn, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can have her on the podcast someday. <laughs> uh, open invitation to Jennifer Knapp. Yeah. All right, Nathan, I'm wondering what kind of feedback you've been getting since your episode's been out or just feedback in general. Yeah, uh, I heard from some people I haven't heard from in a while, which was, you know, that's always fun. And it's cool to see who's listened. People I didn't think would, you know, listen to the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's that's really sweet. Um, I did. I I got this same question from at least three different people. And it was, Mm -hmm. how do you how did you or how do you manage those relationships where you being in that faith was a big part of the relationship now that it's gone? Because I, you know, I talked about in my episode, um, losing a a part of myself because a lot of my self-worth was wrapped up in the fact that that's who I was and Mm -hmm. it does affect your relationships. And, you know, I think for me, it was just about finding the right people who were willing to listen and hear me out and let me think out loud. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel judged by those people. You know, I have a friend, one in particular in Texas, who when we we came back from overseas, he had also he and his wife had also just come back from overseas as missionaries, and he just let me have my journey and gave me space, but also stayed really connected to me and asked me questions the whole time and helped me think through things and and challenged me, but not in a way that I felt like he was judging me. It was just in a really natural why do you think that, you know, what, what's going on with that? And then stayed close and, you know, he and I are still close now. And it was just about finding people who made me feel like I was more important than my faith to them. Uh, and and I get as, as a Christian, I get, I mean, we were all there, right? I feel like Mm -hmm. we were all in a place where we felt like we had personal relationships with Jesus Christ. Like we understand we were all, we were all in until, what until we pulled threads and whatever happened um i i get that as a christian your goal would be 
if you love that person, you want them to have the same faith that you have. I understand that. And I have no doubt that I have friends that were and are praying for me. And that wasn't an issue, but they did make me feel like regardless of where you end up, we're solid. Our friendship is solid and it's going to be solid. So uh, I think Cliff, you even said this to me before, but you know, if, if that friendship were dependent on the faith and whatever faith I had, is that really a friend? I don't know. That's, That's a good point. It made me think about just like posing questions from a place of curiosity as opposed to a place of judgment, I think is probably a good place for us to, to want to be, you know? Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I think people get used to seeing us in a, through a certain lens. And then when we take that lens away from them, and they don't know how to see us, you well, know. And it could, yeah. When the people you feel closest to start questioning things, that can kind of start to mess with you, you know. And you, you might start questioning things too. So you can't unlearn something that you've learned. You can't unexperience something that you've experienced. And the only alternative, as far as I'm concerned, is to begin living a lie or a different lie or another lie, you know? Um, I've learned some things, and I've pulled some threads as a result, which then caused me to pull other threads. And and I I am where I am right now. I'm not going to lie about it, but I also think that other people should feel comfortable and safe just in case they find themselves asking questions and um we shouldn't have to lie to appease other people yeah. so th- again so that they can feel better about how they viewed us and about their own faith and i think that brings us back to the point of this podcast which is never to be anti-faith or never to you know i i said this i think last last episode of the one before we don't want this it's not a debate podcast we're not here to debate people or yeah. talk people into or out of anything it's just about sharing our experiences. And yeah, Cliff, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, and we do want this podcast to be a place where people can listen. And, and I want people to reach out. Like, I want to build community for people who need that, who need a place where they can share their experiences openly and connect with other people who are doing the same. It's kind of interesting to see people, like we've been talking about, in those different phases of pulling threads, you know, and maybe the people who are in a different phase can help the other people in the early phases or whatever. So I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it does. All right. So what kind of, what kind of loose threads do we have to tie up here before we get to the conversation? Well, I would just say, first of all, to the listener, thank you guys again for your support and for um, listening and, you know, taking a risk, I I guess, in joining us um, and discussing our journeys. I know for some who are listening, it may actually be a little bit difficult for them. And so thank you. Um, but we also encourage you guys, if, 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 if our, if you think our podcast is helpful, um, or that it could help somebody, please share. Um, we would like to, to, to reach out far and wide, share far and wide. Also, some of you may be interested in, uh, sharing your own story. Um, you know, if even if you're just a little bit interested, please feel free to reach out to us. We can meet with you. We can talk you through it. There's actually a button on our website. Uh, Megan, what's the name of that button called again? 
Tell us about your sweater. Tell us about your sweater. Yes, and just click on it, and you know you can share a little bit. Uh, you can also email us, Megan at Pulling Threads Podcast at Gmail dot com. Right, very good, and also follow us on social media, uh, Twitter, um, our Facebook. Facebook. Coming soon. Uh, what are all uh, the different <laughs> TikTok? No. <laughs> are we on TikTok? Uh, maybe. Let us know if you would like to see some pulling threads. Maybe we should just do tip TikTok videos, literally of us just pulling threads. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, we have a pretty interesting guest and in conversation today. And uh, this is actually a friend of Cliff. So Cliff, do you want to introduce Kara? Yes, uh, definitely. So Kara and I, um, we grew up in the same small southwest Oklahoma town, Altus, Oklahoma. We actually ended up at Southwestern Oklahoma State University together as vocal music education majors. And we kind of developed a friendship out of that. She is a, uh, a former beauty queen, uh, a Miss a Miss Clinton and a Miss Southwestern. We have a celebrity of sorts on our hands, y'all. Um, a former Miss Oklahoma contestant um, who one of them won best talent or something like that. She can explain it. She explains it all the time. Just kidding. Is that how you introduce yourself? Is that the thing you <laughs> but, leave with? Um, she's also deathly afraid of chickens. That is that is for sure. I think so far you've given me too gracious a billing for this intro, but <laughs> well, <laughs> you're setting me up for too high of a I, standard. I will say- but yes, I am terrified of chickens. Yeah. That's true. Is, is there a traumatic event in the past? or? Well, my grandma, I was raised, as Cliff said, small town Altus, but actually I was brought up even further out, even smaller in a town called Friendship, Oklahoma. <laughs> so I'm, as they say, from the country. And my grandma raised chickens, and so I would have to go out and get the eggs every now and then. And chickens are mean. I don't know if you've been around them, but when you try to reach under them for their eggs, they will <laughs> peck at you or chase you. And so, yeah, just some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder from chickens growing up. And then my middle school um, that I t- taught at in the recent past, I just moved to a new school this year, but they had a chicken coop right outside the door that I used to go into my classroom. And those chickens could smell the fear on me. They just knew that I was terrified. And when I pulled up, they waited to chase me into the building every day. And so it kind of became my thing. I created this Blair chick project where I would just have these horror scenes of these chickens you know, waiting for my arrival and then chasing me into the building. Pretty so. funny videos came of that. I remember enjoying those thoroughly. All right, Kara. So we're talking about pulling threads here. Um, but before you tell us a little bit about your threads, can you give us some background? What was your sweater? What What's your story? Yeah, for sure. So like we've already discussed, I was brought up in a super small town. Friendship Oklahoma had two things. We had a volunteer fire department and a Friendship Baptist Church. So ironically, my mom is Catholic. She's from Ohio. She came to Altus, Oklahoma on her way to California to marry a rich doctor, but she met my dad and she got stuck there for the rest of her life. So 
you know. Um, and my dad was raised Baptist, Southern Baptist. And so they didn't really care where I went to church. They just cared that I went. And so I was christened as a baby because as my mom will tell you, we are all born sinners. We're all born with original sin. And to be absolved of that sin, you have to be christened as a baby. So I was, hallelujah. And my grandma was a member of the Friendship Baptist Church, and she always had candy with her. So as I got a little bit older, I realized that was a much sweeter (laughs) deal, so to speak. So that's why I'm Baptist and addicted to sugar, because my grandma was at my dad's church, and she always had little butterscotch and peppermints and those off-brand York peppermint patties. So that's why I went to Friendship Baptist Church. And those little fake strawberry candies? Yes. Were you uh, at the Baptist church? Were you baptized in that church? Yes, and my mom had a big issue with that. She was like, you were already baptized. You don't have to be baptized again. I was like, Mom, you can't tell me anything. So I just did what I did. Um, Well, you're hedging your salvation bets. That's good. Yes, I have got all bases covered. But one of our kind of general rules at home was we didn't really discuss religion at home because with someone with a Catholic background and someone with a Baptist background, it can get a little intense at times. So we just kind of didn't really talk about that at home. But I'm kind of an intense person by nature, and I was very intense about Jesus. So being raised in church, um, I took my upbringing super seriously. Like I was the kid at church who would correct the preacher. I just could not wait till the sermon was over to like walk down as everyone's shaking his hand and be like, um, when you were talking about Nicodemus climbing up the tree to watch Jesus pass by, that was actually Zacchaeus. So I would correct him at any opportunity. I was the little girl at the slumber party. Everyone wanted to watch scary movies. And I was like, let's read the Bible and read about speaking in tongues. And we'll be super scared. We'll be able to sleep tonight. It'll be so fun. So very intense about Jesus. Yes, very intense. And I would take my mom to task about a lot of her beliefs as, you know, in Catholicism, like, why do you pray to saints that it just totally negates the whole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross, like a direct line of communication to God himself. You know, Mary's not speaking for you, you know, just every little thing. We were at a family reunion and I said something about the sacrament, the, the wine and the bread being a symbol or symbolic in my cousin who's devoutly Catholic. I mean, I thought she was going to fight me at the family reunion because she was like, it is not a symbol. When the, when the priest blesses it, it is blood and it is his body. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, I've had like a tooth pulled. So I know what blood tastes like. That is wine. Like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. And so anyway, yeah, I was super intense about scripture, all of my taught beliefs, the things that I was told is correct about scripture. I did the whole thing. Falls Creek, super summer, Glorietta, spent hours. Yes. I, I just remember at Glorietta, you know, I was, I was a little rebellious in high school, Cliff, don't tell any stories on me, but I was a super good Baptist, 
um, in college, always BSU, went to Glorietta. I just remember having one of those little uh, notebooks with scriptures in it and just memorizing, memorizing, memorizing. And I was such a good Baptist in college that I actually married a Southern Baptist youth minister and was pregnant, eight months pregnant with our son when I walked across the stage to graduate from college. So from that and um, also getting married a second time to another man, and then now being married to a woman, I have had to pull a lot of threads. Um, So the first and most significant one for me in my life is the thread of is homosexuality actually an abomination? Is it truly sinful in God's eyes? I've done a lot of wrestling with God over the subject. And even before it was actually really relevant for me in my life, just trying to come to an understanding of why what I had been taught and what I read in Scripture was not resonating with what I truly felt and what I truly believed. So we, yeah, I feel like we took, yeah, (laughs) there was this typical path we were on and then there was this huge leap there. So you had a very, it sounds like two, two faiths in the house. It seems like you chose the Southern Baptist over the Catholics, right? You gravitate towards the Southern Baptist life and it sounds like you had a pretty typical experience with that. Maybe some rebelliousness in high school, but then you rededicate in college. And so you're, uh, you're there and you married a youth minister then at that point, like what kind of doubts were in your head? Um, as far as like, were you kind of creating that life to just like do what you were supposed to do kind of? Yes, absolutely. So when I was in college, I felt called to youth ministry And I actually did an internship, like a summer-long internship with a youth group actually up in the Oklahoma City area. And through being raised in the Baptist church, and, you know, I don't want to really offend people who um, are Baptist and have those beliefs still, but... But being raised believing that it was not a woman's place to preach, teach, lead worship, etc., I internalized my calling to be a youth minister as I'm supposed to come alongside someone who is on that path and support them. And so... um, this young fella in college who was a youth pastor in like a really small town around that area kind of came along and I thought that this is all fitting together. This makes sense now. And so being married to a, a preacher, a, a minister, an ordained person <laughs> by the church, that really... Uh, hurt my relationship with leaders in the church. Um, Seeing a lot of the the behind-the-scenes things, uh, seeing what is being preached in the pulpit versus what is being lived out behind closed doors 
it really affected how I view people in ministry positions. I basically was miserable for the three and a half years that we were married. I don't think that he would be offended to hear me say that. He knows. And I would, I remember standing in the bathroom looking at myself in the mirror and saying, you know, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. And if you don't get that reference, then I'm sorry. But like, do you hear me? Like, please get me out of this. It For me in my mind, there there's not a way out. And I just asked God to please release me from this. And so three and a half years later, um, my husband at that time was on a mission trip in Malawi, Africa. And while he was gone, I just remember I was walking with my son and I was pushing a stroller and I just had this sense of peace come over me. And I thought, I have peace when he's not here, when I'm not around him. And so when he came back, I I said, I want a divorce. And that was just it. There was really no turning back. And I, I believe that my sin was not divorcing my husband. I believe that my sin was marrying him in the first place because, you know, that really wasn't God's will. And looking back, I could see so many times that God tried to show me this isn't, this isn't what's right for you, but I didn't listen because the manipulation in the church and the manipulation through scripture as a woman by men is just unbelievable. Now looking back, you know what I mean? So let me ask you this, Kara. Um, You've already, and and you may be getting to this, but just in case, so you've already mentioned uh, you ended up getting married again to another man, and then now you are married to a woman. So our listener can gather from hearing that, that you are either gay or perhaps bisexual. My question is, is that how you see it, number one? Um, And number two, if so... Is this something that you have, I I don't like to use the word struggle, struggled with all your life because of the connotations that go with that, but I think everybody can understand what I'm saying. Have you always known that you had this attraction to uh, the same sex? I think the first time that I can remember um, really questioning that, but kind of putting it out of my mind because it's not a possibility. Uh, First of all, I was not like other girls that I knew growing up. I was very much a tomboy. I um, worked in the barn with my dad. I competed in archery tournaments. I was, you know, my grandma or my grandma would make me frilly, beautiful dresses for church. And I would run and sit in a mud puddle and catch tadpoles. And, you know, I drove a Jeep in high school and I just never was the kind of girl that thought about my wedding day and having kids and all of that stuff. And so my mom was, kind of like, you're never going to get asked to prom. Like we need to girly you up. So that's why she got me started in pageants. I hated pageants. It was awful. But in high school, I remember we had a junior college in Altus 
and some of the baseball boys at the junior college invited me and some of my high school girlfriends to come over. Bad situation to start. But, of course, we started playing truth or dare. And you know how that goes. It's just you get dared to kiss everyone in the room. And so I did that. I kissed every boy in the room. And then someone dared me to kiss my girlfriend, my, you know, and I was like, uh, I don't, I don't think I can. And they were like, yeah, sure you can. So she sat right across from me and I leaned in and I was like, no, I, I, I can't make myself do it. And my other friend was like, what's the big deal? I'll do it. So she kissed her. And I was just like, I guess, I guess I lose truth or dare. I don't know, but I can't <laughs> make myself do it. And I think at the time, I really was just afraid that I would really like it. And then what would that mean for me? And so, yeah, that's the first time I can really remember processing in my mind um, that I may have more of attraction to girls than I did boys. And I I know throughout my history, um, I've been married to two men. Obviously, I have three kids, one adopted, so four kids. Um, Anytime that I was with a man intimately, and Glennon Doyle said this in her book, The Love Warrior, um, that it never felt like it was something that, it always felt like something that was happening to her, not with her. And when I read that, I was like, that is it. That is why I've always hated it. It felt like a wifely duty. This is something that I have to do. I never enjoyed it. Um, and so that's a big red flag that I didn't really pick up on. I just thought there's something wrong with me. Uh, I was going to say, or that perhaps you just thought that that was the way you're supposed to feel. That's how all wives feel, you know? Yeah. yeah. After After the first marriage... What happens then? What's the path after that? After I got divorced from my first husband, um, I moved to Oklahoma City. Uh, I was still living in Altus, and I kind of just thought, you know, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to die alone in Altus, America, because, I mean, I, I love everyone, everyone in Altus, but there's nothing there. So... I moved to Oklahoma City with my two-year-old son and just kind of tried to make my way as a single mom and met this man who was good and kind and um, really stable. That was the thing that really attracted me to him was so much, he was so stable, you know, um, and I, I had a good foundation and he would make a good father figure to my son. And we dated and broke up for a time and I dated some other people. And I was like, man, there, uh, there are just a lot of suckers out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a tough life out here for a single gal. These, this isn't good. But then there's this man who, is just full of goodness. And to have gone from someone who was a minister who did not really reflect the person of Christ, as I would imagine, to this man who was not really super religious, but so much like Christ that I was really drawn to him. And 
I have some journals that I reflect back on and I've had some conversation with friends where it was like, I'm not necessarily super attracted to him, but I'm just attracted to his personality. And he's so kind to me. He's good to my son. um, And I love that about him. And so I married him and we had two sons. We adopted one. We were married for 13 years. And through that marriage, it was very much like a friendship type of relationship. I felt like we kind of cohabitated. And yeah, so a lot of times I felt unnoticed, really kind of unloved. He's not, in all the ways that he's good, he's not very good at communicating or making you feel seen. And so I did go go out and I had multiple affairs um, just in search of some fulfillment. I was trying in some way to feel um, wanted, I guess. Um, I don't know. But I think that I tried at one point to get out of the situation, again, situation, my marriage, to him by just coming out um, and being up front and being like, I have been having an affair. I've been cheating on you. And my expectation was for him to leave me. And he didn't. He forgave me. And I was like, oh, well, now I have to put in this work because he's he's forgiven me. So we went to focus on the family marriage retreats and I, we went to, um, counseling together and I went to counseling on my own. Um, I made a commitment at that point to treat him and our marriage with respect. And if I were ever to have an inclination to cheat on him in any way again, then that would be it. Like I, I just wasn't going to do it. And I wouldn't put myself in a position. To, I wouldn't get on an elevator with a man alone. It just, I was very protective of that relationship and that effort to make it work. And so, um, yeah, again, in that situation, I had struggled so much with just depression. Um, Sometimes it felt like I couldn't go on anymore. And so I had to seek help for that. Um, And I think looking back now, it really shows me that I was just super lost and didn't really know who I was. And so when I met my wife now, Kate, um, yeah, a lot of things became really clear. And so that's a whole other part of the story. <laughs> well, and I was going to ask, I guess, as in a, you, you never entertained the thought that you could be gay, attracted to women. And then I guess you meet the woman that you discover I'm attracted. When, when was the first time that you were like, oh, or was there like a, this revelation that, oh, I'm gay. Let me go back just, just slightly um, and kind of talk about 
the pulling of that thread. So the issue of is homosexuality a sin? Is it an abomination in God's eyes? I had a friend in high school who came out to me. I didn't know a lot of gay people growing up, but I had this one friend and we were on a charter bus on the way back from a swim meet and it was dark on the bus and he was sitting next to me. Most everybody was asleep. It was really quiet. And he was like, I have to tell you something. I'm gay. And I said, I know you've dressed like Elton John since you were in seventh grade and you're the only boy that's ever tried out for the Palm squad. And I love you. Like we just hugged, but it was so underwhelming. I think for him, he was expecting some kind of grand reaction. And I was just like, yeah, I I know that. And so it never even crossed my mind that there could be something wrong with him or wrong with that. And I didn't understand why he felt like he needed to tell me that in that way. And it made me wonder, do people really believe that this friend of mine, you know, that there could be something wrong with this is who he is. This is who he's always been. He didn't even have to tell me that. And then I had another friend that I taught with who was married to a man and they had been in a loving, committed, monogamous, same-sex marriage for, for a very long time. And he knew that I was a Christian, knew my, my beliefs and background and stuff. We didn't really talk about it, but one night we were talking and he said, do you think I could have been born gay? And I said, yeah, I think that you can be born gay just like we can be born predisposed to any sin. And like alcoholism, like you could be born more predisposed to being alcoholic or, you know, I was just really giving him that old Baptist, you know, uh, rhetoric that I had been taught to believe. But as I left that conversation, I was driving and I, in my spirit was like, that's not what I believe. What I just said out loud, what I verbalized, that's not my truth. That's not what I believe. And so I started to really wrestle with God over that. Like, why did I say that? when that's not what I believe in my heart? Why am I restating things that were taught to me? That's a taught belief, not something that I actually believe. And the big thread is pulled, the sweater falls off moment was in church. Um, I was on the praise team taught VBS, taught Sunday school, very involved in church. And in October 2014, in Oklahoma, same-sex marriage was legalized. And that following Sunday, our preacher got up in the pulpit and he said, in this church, we will never perform a same-sex marriage. And that's all I'm going to say about it. And I almost fell out of my pew. I mean, my spirit balked within me. And I, it was like for the first time, I started to really look around the worship center. And I was like, where are the same sex couples? Where is the diversity? 
where are the homeless? Where are the poor, the impoverished? Where are the marginalized? Where are they? They're not here. Everyone looks like me. Everyone um, is the same socioeconomic status. This isn't, this isn't Christ. After that, I just really started to notice things that for me did not reflect Christ in the church. And it kind of began to create this agitation, I guess you could say, with organized religion, with the church, little things that are done, in my opinion, just for show. And I started to get real critical about stuff like that and vocal about it. And um, yeah, so... I had kind of reconciled within me this, I don't believe that homosexuality is sin. I could go more into that, but let me move forward to the big question at hand for Cliff. So I was at work one day, and I was in the workroom making copies, and this woman walked past me, and my head almost, you know, like I nearly broke my neck, like, oh my God, she's gorgeous. And it wasn't like, I admire your beauty as another woman. It was like, uh, break me off a piece of that because you are fine. Actually, the song that went through my head was 869, Damn, She's Fine. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, that's weird. And I hadn't spoken to her. I didn't really know her. So I just, you know, continued to notice her around the building and, like, so attracted to her. She was a TA with our special needs students, and I taught a music class for them. So every day they came to music. So the first day that they came to music and she came with them, in my class for that special needs class, the way I took attendance was like I would say, where is Cliff? And you would say, here I am. And I go around the room. And if you're in that class, whether you're a TA, a teacher, the principal, the students, (laughs) everyone does it. So I got to her. I'm in front of her, like face to face. I said, where is Miss? And she said, Kate. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. She spoke. She spoke to me. So at that point, I realized that I was really not just intrigued, but this was kind of a catalyst for change for me. I knew everything. You know, you see movies. I've always been so jaded when I see movies about like that moment of like love at first sight type of thing. And I'm like, that's not real. That's, that's bananas. Um, but that happened, that happened to me. And so with that and with that knowledge, and I would, you know, have dreams of us together. Like we were, we were married and we were walking our dog, like so bizarre, but I knew that I had to tell my husband that, you know, our marriage was over because that was my deal that I made with myself. If I ever had an interest in another person, I I just wouldn't do it to him again. And so 
I just was very upfront with him. I guess maybe not very upfront because I didn't tell him the reason that I was wanting a divorce. Um, I really didn't want to make that about what was happening between he and I. What was happening between he and I was I just wasn't loving him the way that he deserved to be loved. And that was kind of what I could offer him at the time. I told him, I want a divorce. And he said, okay. Um, And there was a lot of other conversations beyond that. But that reaction from him kind of surprised me. I think he understood and felt it too. And so... I had sent him a little passage of, um, again, Glennon Doyle's book. Uh, I resonate a lot with her story. But she had said that trying to stay in her relationship with her husband felt like a butterfly trying to fit back into its cocoon or trying to wear someone else's skin. It was like trying to fit into a life that you didn't fit into. And I shared that with him. And he took that and kind of the knowledge of who Glennon Doyle is and her story and kind of put the pieces together. And uh, he asked if we could have a conversation. And so we sat down to talk and he said, it must be really hard for you. And I was like, what? And he said, being gay. And I, in my mind, I thought, actually, it's pretty freaking easy, but... Um, you know, I, you know, I asked him what was making him say that. And he kind of told me that he had put those pieces together. And I, we had that conversation of what that means for me in my life is not a reflection of what's happening between you and I right now. Um, so there was a lot of hard conversations, uh, uh, around that with him and my kids and my parents and everyone, my coming out was not this beautiful butterfly bursting forth from the closet with rainbow wings and glitter and sparkles with this is me from the greatest showman playing in the background. It wasn't that at all. It was like my closet was kind of like the hot water heater closet. It's dark and dank and a little spider webs and some dust and eventually the hot water heater just kind of bursts and seeps out from underneath the closet just kind of oozes out from it that was my coming out story so I just grew this relationship with Kate I didn't really come out and tell anyone we just were together and we showed up at places together and I posted pictures of us together on Facebook and people made their own (laughs) connections. I, and, you know, and, and can I just say that, um, I came out, um, on Facebook on July 7th of 2019, the months leading up to that, I do remember seeing pictures of, of you and, and, and Kate. I didn't know that to be Kate. I had no idea. I, I, for what I thought was she was some type of coworker or something at some type of youth camp type thing that you were getting like the 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 thought that that Kara King is dating this woman never even crossed my mind and and I so when I did come out on Facebook in a butterfly coming out of the concrete kind of way like sparkles um my sister-in-law um 
who Kara knows, um, suggested that I, she called me and she suggested that I talked to you. And I was like, well, why would I talk to Kara about this? That makes no sense. And, and that's when I began connecting those dots. Um, and, and, and you've touched on this a little bit, but like, I know for me, you know, having grown up in, in, in Altus, Oklahoma and being a teacher in a small conservative town in, in, in Texas, um, at the age of 39, I mean, it was difficult enough for, for me. Like I, I cannot imagine the extra layers that go into having been married twice to men, having kids and all the extra dynamics that go with that. And I, and if I could just say, I mean, I just think that you've, I think that I can say that you've handled it beautifully and maybe not perfectly. I don't know if there is a perfect way to handle something like that. And, and I'm thinking that is a result of the teaching in the first place. That yeah. is a bad fruit, uh, yes. you know, uh, of, yeah. and so when you talk about yourself sitting and as an adult in that church choir and having the reaction to the pastor, I, I kept, well, first of all, I kept thinking of the, the little Kara who would, who was confrontational with her church pastors. Um, and, and by the way, so was I, it, it, it just a lot of. A lot of uh, parallels between uh, beyond the obvious, right? Yeah. Between I used to challenge the priest. I, I also grew up Catholic, and I used to be very fundamental with and, and legalistic because I needed it as something to hide behind. Yeah. Uh, the more outspoken I was with my faith and, and politics, and the more I defended yeah. the teaching that homosexuality was sin, the less people might be inclined to think that I myself was gay. Um, I, I don't know what to say past that. I, I, I just, I, I love you, Kara. And I think that I, I'm, I'm very proud of you. I'm very happy for you. Oh, thank you, Cliff. That means so much to me. And coming out when you're almost 40 and you've got kids that are pretty much grown. I have a son who's about to turn 20 and Everyone in your life knows you just in this one way. And having to answer to your parents about, you know, how long have you known? And they have this feeling of, you know, we didn't support you or we weren't there for you. And they internalize it and feel their own guilt in a way. And really feeling like you need to answer to these people in your life that love you so much, but also, oh, there was so many times that people really felt um, that it was their place to correct me. Um, that's what we're taught, to gently rebuke our brothers and sisters in Christ and give that correction to hold up the mirror and show you the error of your ways. And I would ask God, I would beg him, please show me what to say, how to answer so that they see me for who I am. And God spoke to me. I've had a relationship, close relationship with God since I was nine years old. Um, 
he has never failed me. He's never left me. Through all of this, through all of my tumultuous relationship with the church, that has not changed. And he answered me very clearly. And he said, don't. And it kind of ticked me back. And the message was, your sexuality, your love is not up for debate. If someone is trying to nail your feet to the floor, if someone is trying to um, push their beliefs on you, you don't have to answer to them. You don't have to change their mind. You don't have to change their beliefs. Your relationship with me is between us, and it's not up for debate. And so I will have the conversation like we're having now if I feel like it's a discussion, um, if there is something to be gained from it, um, if it's someone who is invested in my life, who actually loves me, we'll have the conversation, even if it doesn't change their beliefs. But when it's someone who, like a stranger on Facebook who genuinely is concerned for my salvation, I'm like, listen, Karen, you don't even know me. You're not genuinely concerned about anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't indulge that. So you have a really you you have a really impressive amount of self acceptance and confidence in who you are, uh, and I think a lot of the times the church can beat that out of people, you know, and can shame them into hiding. It just seems like you knew who you were, and you were very confident and comfortable in that. And so the only thing you had to deal with was what do I do now with this teaching that says that's wrong? Just hearing your story, just from what little I know about it, it wasn't about you accepting yourself. It was just about you dealing now with this teaching yes. that, you know, this organization you belong to teaches. Yeah. Sorry, Megan, I think I cut you off. No, I was just going to ask kind of going along with that. Like, so where would you say you are? I don't even know if you can sum it up, but like religiously or spiritually, are you still involved in church? Are you kind of seeking a different path? What's how has that changed or since you've pulled some of those threads? Yeah, I think when your fundamental truths that you were raised believing are called into question, it creates a crisis of faith in a way. And that's kind of where I am right now. Um, I have a hard time listening to sermons. I have a hard time on Facebook scrolling through and people posting their memes or scripture. And I just, ugh. um, I have a hard time, honestly, even digging into scripture on my own. I did find a church that is affirming. We visited many churches. A lot of them were accepting. You are welcome here. Don't be confused by your church that says, all sinners are welcome. That's not what we're talking about here. It's you are welcome here. The, the banquet table is open to you as long as you change who you are. So I have found a church, Simplicity Church, Oklahoma City, that is affirming. They've done a whole sermon series in June on the LGBTQ 
plus community um, and their belief system and their disciples of Christ, their belief system is very closely related to what I believe. And I've actually visited physically one time, but I watch online. It's like kind of a arm's length. I keep, keep that at. And um, my foundational truths that I believe right now are that God is good. The person of Jesus reflects the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. And if we examine all of our beliefs through that lens of love, then we really find God. I find God now in being outdoors. I hear a lot of people say that now. I find God in nature. Yeah, that's where he is. That's who he is. Um, I believe that this scripture is useful for um, teaching and patterning our life and belief, but I don't believe anymore that it's infallible. I don't believe that every word of it is true. I don't believe that a man lived inside of a whale for three days at the bottom of the sea. I, I, I mean, there's things that I'm like, oh, that is kind of like a parable. Now I believe that. So that was something growing up. Like we also learned in church, you don't ask questions. If you ask a question, that means that you don't have blind faith and that's, that's sin. So I ask a lot of questions now. I have lots of questions. And, you know, I believe that God can handle our questions. I think he's big enough to handle that. And I, I think sometimes he talks to me like he did to Job. He's like, you be quiet for a minute. Let me tell you who I am. Let, let me tell you about me. You, you don't know everything. And not only do you not know everything, you don't know anything. That's, that's what I believe about the church right now. We don't freaking know a lot. But a lot of Christians who want to force their beliefs on others, that's what they think. They think they really know the ways of God that we cannot know. I have a problem with that now at this point in my life. The whole great commission of really trying to push our beliefs on others. I think I've really gained a respect for other belief systems, other religious views. Um, now I call my mom and I'm like, say a Hail Mary for me. Like, pray to Mary, whatever you need to do. Like, call the saints. <laughs> You know, where before I was like, we don't talk to saints. That's ridiculous. Well, now I'm like, get them on the phone because we need help right now. Um, so, yeah, I am very open now to, and I've always kind of been that way, you know, going on mission trips. I've got a problem with that now too, but we would go on mission trips. You're in good company. Just armed <laughs> with our Romans road track and the ABCs of becoming a Christian. And we'd just go out and like nail people with that. Like, oh, there's one. I bet they're not saved. Let's get them. Um, I would always tell people when we would have a discussion about becoming a Christian, I would say, don't let me convince you of anything. Because if I can convince you 
to become a Christian, then someone can come right behind me and convince you of something else. And I still believe that. I still believe, find, find out your truth for yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Look into it. Ask him. He's, he's available. He's here. You know, build your own belief system. I, I just really believe that all four of us could, you know, whoever listens to this, we could all read the same scripture. And because the Holy Spirit is alive and within us, show you one thing that's completely different for me. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I, I think that that could potentially also still change with time, but that's where I am at in my belief system right now. To not to, not to, pigeonhole you or anything or make you wear a label because I, I don't think those are helpful honestly but just out of curiosity do you think your faith now is a version of christianity is it christ-centered is it you said the person of jesus do you see jesus as god's son i do i am a christian i actually had a friend i say friend really loosely here's my air quotes again uh invite me over to give me an offering of peace because she had seen something I had written on my Facebook page, um, invited me over and cornered me. Basically, she had a whole agenda, a whole plan. And her first question to me was, what are you calling yourself now? And I was like, Kara? Uh, I mean, uh, and she was like, I mean, lesbian, gay, bi, what are you calling yourself? And I was like, um... A bisexual, if you need a label. And I was like, she was like, so do you just not, not believe in God anymore? Or what, what's going on with that? And I was like, I'm a Christian. And she said, well, you call yourself a Christian. But I said, no, 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 no. I am a Christian. I've said this before. Like, if you have a problem with that, you can take that up with Jesus because he's really sensitive about me. He is like... If you have a problem with that, take it up with him. Just kind of the same way that you say to me, if if this scripture offends you, then you're being offended by Christ, not by me. Uh, you can turn that BS around and use the same, you know, same thing towards yourself. If you have a problem with who I am, take that up with him. I still have to remind myself, you know, I'm, I'm pretty outspoken when it comes to the, the issue of the, the teaching that homosexuality is abominable. And, and I, and in, in my arguments, I usually, they're usually against Christians, but I, I forget easily that with every passing year, more and more Christians um, are becoming affirming. They're progressing. So I do think it's possible to be a progressive Christian. And even though half of the church would, would you know, well, they're not really Christian then if, if they're progressive. Well, that, that's not... That. What was um, progressive a hundred years ago is now very uh, fundamental conservative today. You know, it's just... Right. So, I I don't know, Kara, when I hear you speak about your relationship and, and the questions that you ask and the, allowing yourself to ask questions, I think many 
Southern evangelical Christians would label you as a progressive Christian. Kara, really appreciate you sharing your story. I think it's, honestly, I think it's inspirational. And I think a lot of people will find connections in their own life to your story. And I think your strength and your confidence is something to admire. And I wish I had a tenth of your, of your, your acceptance of yourself and your confidence in who you are. I think it's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for letting me come chat with you. I was super nervous. I was sweating. Um, and you guys made it so comfortable and just like chatting with friends. And I really appreciate you giving me an opportunity to kind of tell my story because hopefully someone, it resonates with someone. I, I told Cliff, I said, for as many people as I have had that have come to me to tell me that I need to change who I am, I've had more people who have contacted me in private to tell me, I am afraid to come out and say this truth, but I want you to know that that's my story too. It's really been kind of shocking how many people I've had come to me in private to tell me that. So, yeah. I think that's also a good, one of the things I enjoy about the podcast is it doesn't matter the threads that people are pulling. A lot of times you can connect with different things that people are saying and almost create new community, you know, yeah, in a place that maybe some of us have been lacking in a more, you know, religious type of community. So kind of like I talked about before, like when we frame all of our encounters with others through the lens of love, that is when we really experience Christ. And seen. No. <laughs> yeah, I think that is the uh, perfect place to stop. Kara, again, thank you for being our guest today and sharing your story with us and with everyone. It was good. Well, Cliff, do you want to <laughs> talk about next week's episode? Yes. Yeah, so next week we're going to be interviewing, um, his name is Jeff, and I'll just say this. He is a dad that put his son ahead of his church and ahead of his faith. And, uh, and he uh, chose love. It's a beautiful story. I think um, especially parents uh, can appreciate this. Um, yeah. I would say unconditional love, but honestly, to me, it goes even far deeper than just the, the saying of unconditional love. So um, just listen, and, and uh, it's a beautiful story. Tune in. Yeah, it's going to be good, and we need to know Jeff's podcast pairing please oh yes um yeah and i asked jeff he's actually a police officer and so he felt it was perfectly appropriate for the podcast pairings to be donuts and coffee he says with cream cream optional but hey everybody we get an excuse to eat a donut i don't need an excuse well (laughs) me either (laughs) guilt-free though all right everybody we'll see you next time hey guys bye thanks again See ya. Love you, Nate. Love, love you, Megan. Cliff. Love you, Megan. Love you guys. Bye, everybody. Cheese love. <laughs> like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Please. Please. Stay with stay, us. Stay with us. <laughs> Don't leave. Don't we go. Need you.